Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic and driver and team owner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martins. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast after Talladega Super Speedway. Always a much anticipated weekend, but real quick, we're going to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. As always, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So we're back. Another episode of Drivers Meeting Podcast. Another great Xfinity Series driver on the show. Um, Josh Williams, we're awesome to have you here. And we were just kind of, we kind of talked about Talladega just a little bit a second ago, but kind of give us a rundown. I mean, what happened? Because, I mean, it wasn't the greatest luck um, um, for you guys, but. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was a decent race. I mean, we had a really fast race car just kind of riding around doing our normal deal and waiting for the uh, the big one to happen. And uh, we end up, uh kind of had a exhaust valve issue uh in the motor kind of internally so lost a lot of power and just kind of had to ride around there and we we're just gonna try to finish and it's probably worked out in our favor that it got shortened by rain so we didn't tear anything up any worse than we already have yeah i was kind of um you know the the rain sucked but i mean it was all right because we didn't tear up as many cars um you know as as you usually do sometimes because everyone's anticipating the crazy finish and i was like well you know yeah. We didn't, we didn't get the opportunity to tear up a bunch of cars. You know, we had some guys that had some great finishes like Tommy Joe with the 11th place finish ended up being there at the end. So I thought that was pretty cool. But as far as like the, the point standings, I mean, well, you guys are right next to each other, 15th and 16th and driver standing. So Tommy Joe, if you want to talk about Talladega for a little bit, how was, how was that for you? P11? I mean, Josh and I wound up next to each other a whole lot, uh, but look, we take kind of the same strategy that Josh is talking about, which is try to wait for a big one or two and then decide to make your move. Uh, the rain kind of forced that with us where that rain and the forecast and kind of creeping along next to the track, we just knew it was, it was probably go time. Everybody knew that. And we just made the move when we had to make it. It, it was a lucky move. I got down to the bottom. They wrecked right behind me. And Josh, you probably can speak to this when you're up there kind of fighting it out at the end of the race you just kind of get the sense that it's about to happen. And I, and I knew I was like, okay, the way these guys are making moves, we're three wide, you know, we're, we're about to, we're about to do it. Like it's, it's about to pop off and uh, just wound up making the move at the right time. And it happened right behind us. Yeah, that was, that was nuts. I know it's, it's all about avoiding the big one. And and that's kind of what you guys take the approach as like in stage one, stage two, because we, we talked about this last week, Tommy Joe, about how you have three stages in the race, you know, there's, there's no need to go up there and, and mess up your stuff in stage one, and stage two up there racing for the lead, like the other guys were. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's basically the approach for you guys, right? Well, it's, it's a plan, right? I mean, you go into it with some form of a plan and, and that was the plan for us. And when I've driven for BJ McLeod and 
um, driven for Carl Long, you know, conservative, kind of like what you were talking about this time. What What is it that changes the approach for you guys when you go to these places? Um, I guess it just depends. You know, some of these races, the speedway races, which, you know, everybody gets kind of uh, kind of boring and they all want to run up against the wall and, and just try to hold position. And some of those races that, you know, I feel that they're going to play out that way. I'll try to run up to the front and get as many spots as I can before they file out. And just, I mean, once you get stuck in that top lane, it doesn't matter if you're third or if you're 23rd, that's where you're going to be. So um, that kind of plays in. And then, you know, motors, of course, you know, if we've got some big steam under the hood, you want to go play with it. So that, uh, that kind of changes it every now and again. So small motor, ride around. Big motor, let's try to put on a show. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good motto to ride by. And I know I had talked before uh, with uh, Cesar Baccarella, like right before the season had started. And he was talking about how your your guys' super speedway program at DJM, you guys were really trying to work on that. And do you feel like that's kind of shown in, in the first two super speedway races of the season at Daytona and Talladega? Uh, I think so. You know, Talladega, I had one of the best speedway cars I've, I've ever had. Um, really good, drafted really good. I mean, we were just, I mean, literally riding as, as hard as I could ride, just cruising around, waiting. If if I felt like the front pack was driving away, I'd just pick the throttle up and I'd, I'd catch back up to them a little bit. So I feel like our Speedway program is, is phenomenal at DGM. And, you know, I mean, we've progressed on all racetracks, you know, all the way across the board from road courses, short tracks. You know, our mile and a half program is really, really stout. So we're making some big changes and, and we keep getting better every week. You know, just like Tommy Joe and them guys, man, it's – you just got to work. You got to work hard and you got to be the, the best of the rest. That's what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that race that we, we talked about that on the pod going into this year, Josh, we knew that it was going to be a really deep middle of the field this year. It feels like everybody's kind of stepped up in the off season. Was this something you guys were talking about at BGM? I'm sure you probably were. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have that conversation, you know, that's from 10th to 25th is it. That's the race. You know, that's that's where everybody's fighting for. And that's I mean, and a lot of us are, are capable of that, you know, and we're all fighting for the same real estate. So it's just who's better that week, you know, who hits on it, you know, right off the truck, not having practice and who's got to make minimal adjustments or, or who makes the best adjustments on pit road. So it's um, it's fun, though. I love it. I think the Xfinity Series is by far the best NASCAR series out there right now. And I yeah. think the fans love it too. I mean, it's it's number one. If you want to watch them racing, you watch Xfinity. You don't watch nothing else. Well, the unpredictability of it, right? And and there it seems to be like every week there is somebody from our group that just hits it perfect and winds up up there around the top ten. Like there's an underdog of the race every race, and we're just trying to be that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We want that. We want that NASCAR Xfinity tweet on Sunday morning. That's <laughs> what we're all hunting for. Yeah. So, Josh, real quick. Sorry, RJ. Look, BGM is down there in Florida. For a lot of people that don't know this, everybody is based in Mooresville, it seems like. Not DGM. DGM is based down in Florida. Josh, talk about like the probably the pros and cons of that. I would assume as somebody that tried to run a race team out of Nashville in 2014, it was nearly impossible for us to try to do that. I can't even imagine doing it down there in Florida. Talk about some of the challenges that you guys face with DGM being down there. I guess the biggest thing, you know, is just is parts and getting cars repaired and fixed and turnaround time and motors, things like that, running up and down the road. I mean, it's it's really tough. Um, you know, Mario, he'll call me and be like, hey, I got a trailer coming. He'll be here tomorrow morning. You know, can you meet him here, meet him there? 
So that's, you know, that's what we do here in, in North Carolina. We try to run around and, and help them out the best we can. And I mean, it's tough. I guess the pros of it are we're close to Daytona. We're close to Homestead and it's not too far <laughs> to, to Atlanta. So, but other than that, man, it's just, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a tough deal, but Mario's made it work for years and years, man. I mean, that's, that's where he's always been. I've tried to get him to move numerous times. He's like, ah, you know, nah, I kind of got all my stuff here. To me, I get it. You know, I mean, he's established. That's that's where he's at. And for for us to run as good as we do, and I think that's just that just shows how, how good a team that, that DGM really is. And talking about where that's changed, right? Because you and I kind of got into the Xfinity series at the same time. I was driving for BJ McLeod. You were driving for Mario. We both kind of got our feet wet yeah, roughly the same time in the series. And how are your expectations at DGM? Like I remember our first race, it was like Pocono, and you and I were like duking it out for about 29th. And now it feels like you and I are still duking it out week to week. We're just doing it for 15th or better. It seems like every time we're out there on the racetrack. So talk about how the expectations have changed for you and the team, you know, over the course of the last five years. Yeah, just, I mean, we're, we're getting better stuff. You know, we're getting better. Put it at 36%. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're getting better stuff. We're, we're working on our equipment, you know, and, and I'm getting better myself, you know, knowing what I need to feel, you know what I mean? What the car needs to feel like to, to be the best that it is. And I mean, like you said, you know, we were battling for 29th. That was cool. Like, that was good. And then, like, the next year, it was like we were, like, 21st, somewhere in there. We're like, oh, this is awesome. And then the next year, we're running in the top 15. And then we have some good runs or whatever. We're in top 10s, you know, 7s, 8s, 10s. And we finish 15th one week. And we're like, man, we just had we just had an off week. Like, it was terrible. And you're like, right. two years ago, we have been doing jumping jacks for a 15th, you know. So, it's, uh, it's cool to watch. And, and it's fun to be a part of something – that shows that progression. You know, I, I think that says a lot, even about the, the Xfinity series, you know, like small teams like us can show that progression and make changes and make gains and be competitive. Yeah. You made waves last year um, towards the end of the season. You guys really caught on like a really strong stride. You had that, yeah, that sixth place run at Kansas and then seventh the following week at Texas. And we, I mean, we always talk about Texas. That was such a big week for small, you know, the small teams, Tommy Joe had a, their first top 10, um, you guys finished, uh, I believe ninth. Yeah. Ninth. And you, you just had a lot of great finishes towards the end of the year. And what's it mean like really to, especially to Mario, you know, as the team owner, but all of you guys, all the drivers and all the crew members, you know, on, on the team at DGM, when at least one of your guys can get that strong finish and get that recognition for kind of all the hard work that you guys have done throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, man, like that's, that's wins, you know, that that's wins in our column. For sure. And and I don't remember where it was at, but it was like our first, I think we finished 11th or 12th or something like that. And, and Mario walked up to me and he was like, you thought we won Daytona 500. I mean, he was just jacked up, you know, just really super excited. And, and then we go somewhere else and we finish 10th and everybody's like hugging each other. You know, everybody's just super excited, but I mean, that's just, that's hard work, you know, and to get those results after, you know, working, 16, 18, 20 hours a day and not being able to, to go home and, and enjoy your evenings. And I mean, they, they sacrifice a ton. I mean, Tommy Joe knows it's, you, you have to, you have to work. It, it, there's no way around it. You, you have to continue to work on your race cars if you want those results. And, and we've been getting them. And so it just makes it that much more better. Well, Josh, you're known as a guy that works on his own stuff. And that is rare in our sport nowadays. And I think it's something that you kind of wear as a little bit of a badge of pride. I know you're showing us in the background right now. You guys are already working on some stuff right now in your shop. 
right? And you did that in ARCA and you won. And you do that in the Xfinity series and you've had success. Do you think like you're getting known more as Josh Williams, the driver or Josh Williams, the driver that's also working on his own stuff? Like, is that just like part of your persona now? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what I want to be known as, you know, I'm like, I'm the old school guy, you know I mean? If, if something happens and we need to fix it, I'm going to get out and, and I'm going to work on it. That's just all, the way I've always been. You know, I've, I've done that my whole life. You know, from when I started racing, my dad was always like, if you want to drive it, you got to work on it. And that's, and I enjoy it. I mean, I, I do it every day from, from seven to four every day. I get up, work on these race cars. I mean, we got Arca cars, Bandoleros, Legends cars. I mean, we got it all. I mean, we, we do everything. So it's just fun. We got, we're doing some late model stuff now with some people and I enjoy it. You know, I like to set up aspects and, and knowing what the car is doing and, and what makes it better. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a big fan of trying stuff, whether it doesn't work or not. So I, I think that helps, you know, at DGM too, because I'm like, Hey Mario, what do you think about this? You know, let's, let's try this or, or let's try this bump package or maybe we'll try this track bar configuration or something. And, and it, it's, it's made changes and some places it's helped us and some places it's hurt us, but I, I think that's a, a benefit to me. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of these people nowadays are like, Oh, NASCAR is just a bunch of kids that show up and drive. I don't want to be labeled as that. You know, I want to be the, the, I want to be the guy that the fan of the fans is like, man, I, I want to drink a beer with that guy. He's cool. You know? So I don't know. I'll, I'll always be that way. It, it seems like that's become the rep I know in the garage and you got a little bit of notoriety, man, because now it's, we're racing up there closer to the front of the field. Some of these guys that have a little bit bigger platforms, it, it's something that they're, they're shouting you out a lot. You know, guys like Harrison Burton, guys like Ty Gibbs that you've got a relationship with. It seems like they're kind of spreading your name as one of the guys in the mid-pack that, that's doing more with less. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, Ty Gibbs, man, I, I, I like that kid a lot. And, you know, even though he's in a good situation, he makes the best of it. You know, and, and that's, that's important to me is, you know, he'll take the time to stop on pit road and have a conversation but yeah. Josh, I think, look, something else we got to talk about here is your relationship with Mario, right? So, like, you've been with the same team. I've hopped around to three teams. Started my own team, shut it down, driven for BJ, driven for Carl, yeah. driven for myself. Again. I've bounced around a lot. You've been with one guy the whole time. And yeah. it seems like that relationship has changed from, okay, I'm going to use you to fill in a little bit. Okay, you're a mechanic. Okay, maybe we're going to drive a little bit more. Okay, you got some sponsors. All right. Maybe we're, now we're going to run full time. Now I'm going to try to keep you in the points. I've seen you be a crew chief on a car for Andy Lally. <laughs> so clear, clearly, you've got a pretty good relationship with Mario. And talk about how that kind of progressed to where it is now, where you're you're a guy that he looks at as, all right, this is going to be a 33 race a year guy for me, and we're going to try to get him in, in the driver points the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mario helped me with my Arca stuff a couple times. You know, I'd probably say I think it was like 2012 somewhere there, and you know, he, he helped us out a lot and being both of us being in Florida, you know, he, he really kind of, I don't know, he, he's just a really good friend to us. And, and we built a relationship from the Arca stuff. And I drove for Jimmy means the first time at his starting park at Michigan. And, uh, Mario's like, Hey, you got your license now. I'm like, yeah, I got my license. I need you to do this. So i went and did a starting park and I did another one. And I did another one. And, you know, he, he kept calling me and calling me. And then, uh, we find we found some money and, and we started running some more races and and now we're just 
I mean, we're just getting after it 100% full swing all we can get. And it's cool to, like you said, start somewhere and, and to build a program and to see progression and, and have, you know, it feels good for me because, you know, I do feel like, you know, Mario is, you know, pushing as hard as he can to, to give me all he's got because he knows that I'm going to give it everything I got and get the best finishes we can. Well, there's, there's two ways of looking at this, right? You can look at it and go, all right, I've got a car. It's available. I'm going to try to sell this thing for as much as I can week to week. We're going to have 15 different drivers over the course of the year. If I got to do that, I got to make money off this car. It seems like Mario more so is looking at it like, all right, I've got Josh and Alex. These are two good drivers. And I'd rather have some consistency out of those two cars. At the end of the day, it, it's probably an easier process for him, right? Yeah, he's definitely sacrificed a, a lot for, for me and Alex. You know, I mean, there's, uh, you know, since the past couple of years, everybody sees the progression and, and they see the the good results that we have and the equipment we show up with and, and that they kind of want to be a part of that. Like, oh, man, you know, I, I want to drive for Mario. And, and I know that there's been times where Mario said, well, you know, I've, I've got, you know, I've got my guys for now. You know, if there's an opening or whatever, I'll, I'll let you know. And, and that's that's cool to have somebody that's that's faithful like that and, and to stick their neck out for, for me and Alex to, you know, let us race and, and drive his race cars. Yeah, I think I think that's really cool. And and when I talked back back when I talked to Caesar before the season, whenever I whenever I do talk to him, he always says he goes on and on about how much he loves Mario as a team owner and how much he means to the team and, and everything he's done for you guys. So like I mean, I really hated uh, the Daytona, I mean, everyone hated when Daytona rained out qualifying, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I really hated it because Mario Goslin was going to, was going to compete in that race and DNQ because of the rain. And, you know, that we already know that's caused so many problems for other teams as well. But I mean, just, just in general, I mean, I know you've already noted on it, but how much does, does Mario, you know, really mean and everything that you guys have progressed over the years, you know, how has he really just been a, a giant factor and, in all that progression? And I want to add something to that, Josh. Let's say that you did get all four cars in the race. Were you guys ready to run four cars full-time this year? No. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know dang well something would have happened and we would have all got good finishes. And they would have been like, well, you know... <laughs> maybe and it, oh, it would have been bad but but that's mario man he's just a racer you know he's a hundred percent full-blown racer he's not your average owner he's not you know like you said that guy that that's hunting for that you know kid that's got a pile of money he's a racer he wants to run good he wants to see his race cars run up front and he's giving it all he's got i mean the, the them guys work more than than anybody i've ever seen I mean, we work hard in our shop and we work long hours, but those guys are just ridiculous, man. They're, they're nonstop grinding. And they're getting three cars a weekend ready to go to the racetrack. And there's like five people. You know, it's, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. But it you counts know. on you, too. It counts on you and Alex. You know, we, we got a couple of veteran drivers here that at least can take care of the equipment, right? Yeah, that's the biggest thing is not trying to put yourself in a, in a bad position to, to tear stuff up. And, I mean, sometimes you just can't help it. You know, it's not your fault or you just get caught up in somebody else's stuff. But I mean, that that's the biggest thing. I mean, if you're running, if you're running 10th and ninth is close, but you know, you're going to knock a fender off of it. You better not knock fender off of it. Cause odds are that car is going somewhere in seven days. So you're going to have to use it again. 
And so, yeah, you guys, DJM, you got Alex LeBay, who really, he does good at the road courses, you know, and he does good at a lot of other tracks as well. The 90 car, he kind of swapped around some, some, I guess you'd call them ringers, you know, Caesar Backrell loves to do the super speedways. And um, you also, you know, throw some other guys in there around it, around the mix that do pretty solid as well. So for you, what, what is the most like type of track that you look forward to uh, on the schedule? Uh, I'm a short track, old school kind of guy. So, you know, I like rough wore out racetracks, um, you know, Darlington, that's, that's right up there at the top of the list. So that's where we're going next. So I'm looking forward to that one. And I used to like Atlanta, but more rumor has it that they're going to repave it. So I don't know about all that good stuff, but, uh, we won't talk about that on this one. Maybe we'll wait a little while. <laughs> Yeah, See, and this is funny because at the beginning of our careers, Josh and I hated going to worn out tracks because we couldn't afford the tires. Uh, and yes. now, <laughs> now that we can afford the tires, we, those are our favorite places. Yeah. All right, bud, you're running 15th. We're going to come down and put some tires on it. What are they? 30 lap scuffs. Oh, 30 lap scuffs. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a feeling we're going, we're going back. I look, looking forward to it. Well, also, I want to talk about this real quick because it's good to have somebody else on here. Let's talk about those days for a minute, right? What you and I knew, and this is why we always laughed and talked about how hard we were racing in the back of the field, especially the guys that like, okay, really, we're all running scuffs back here. And, yeah. and that means NASCAR forces you to buy one set of stickers. So we all started the race on a set of stickers, and we would all be racing each other for what was essentially going to be the lucky dog. And we knew that that was basically going to get decided in the first segment of the race. And that was kind of the only chance you had because you didn't have another set of tires. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. You had to race like hell to be the first car lap down, and that changed your whole race. That literally changed your whole race. If, if you were the first car lap down at the end of the stage, you were going to be the highest finishing scuff driver that day. That's just how it worked. And you had to literally drive that thing for everything it had. I, I had fun with it. You know, I, I really had fun, so. I mean, I don't want to go back to those days. Don't get me wrong, but they were fun. They were definitely fun days. Well, they were formative, right? I mean, so you're essentially, you're running for a lot less money, but oh, you're yeah. still getting all the experience that you still got in really the same cars because the, the rules package hasn't changed a whole lot from when we started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, our, our bodies are still similar. I mean, just composite to steel, but I feel like the car is still driving the same. And, you know, it's just, it's good experience too. Cause when you come down pit road now and you put on stickers, you feel like a hero. You're like, oh, wow, this is nice. <laughs> and also, we've got some sympathy from guys that are doing it a different way. Yeah. <laughs> I can look back there and go, you know, I remember those days. Those are yeah. tough. You see somebody start in front of you on scuffs and you go, oh, man, I'm sorry for what I'm about to do to you. This is about to be bad in turn one here. Yeah. Yeah. And usually it's, you know, at the last stage and there's 30 to go and there's 10 cars that shouldn't be in the top five that are in the top five. It's like, oh, man, this is going to be big. It all funnels out pretty quick, though. Yeah. Man, what, what we love about the Xfinity Series is the the tire sets, right? The limited tire sets that you guys had to play some strategy in the race. We see teams like you guys kind of pull some strategy, right? Whether you stay out and don't use the sires, tires to save it for the end of the race or jump ahead and use a set of tires to gain some track position, maybe stage points or something like that. I always see Ryan Sieg do it. That's just the first name that comes to mind. I swear the 39 car does it every race. I feel like they, they do something different than everybody else. But I know Tommy Joe, those guys have done it before, and I'm sure everybody has. I mean, how do you guys – I'm sure every race you guys are thinking about the tire sets, right, the strategy. And maybe Josh has done it a bunch. Different. 
Josh has been hung up there on the front row much. Mario's not scared of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like Indy. He's like, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to stay out. And I'm like, you sure? And I mean, this is high down force, wide open package. <laughs> and we are P1. And I got Allgaier, who's been leading the entire time, starting third. And I'm like, God, this is going to be terrible. I was stuck in the middle three wide for like three laps. And there's nothing you can do. You're just wide open, hanging on for dear life. And uh, I mean, but that, that's cool. You know, I mean, that's cool. But it's... um. I don't know. That's like you mentioned something about Sieg. I feel like Sieg, as soon as the caution comes out with five to go in the stage, here he comes. He's putting on stickers and he's running over everybody. He can run over to get get some stage points, and it's worked out for him. You know, it's worked out for him. Sometimes it's it's bit him a little bit, but a lot of times it works out good, especially a track like Homestead. You know, I, I've seen him come down pit road at Homestead early and just drive by the whole field and, and get up there and get some stage points. Yeah, and we're heading to Darlington, right? We're Tires, tires matter. We, what was it? I think it was the second last race we had. I think it was the first race where we came back uh, where Tommy Joe got some TV time driving up through the field past a bunch of JRM cars just because he put some new tires on it. I was driving through everybody. I feel like a hero. I feel like a hero. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're smiling from ear to ear knowing in the next 30 laps and boys are about to blow right by you again on some fresh tires. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good at the moment, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to take all you can get, man. And that's another thing that's beneficial for us is putting on those tires and driving through the field so, you know, the the, the people in the booth don't have a choice but to say, hey, you know, uh, look at Tommy Joe. He's he's running eighth right here, and he's running down the top five coming to the end of the stage, and he's going to get some stage points, blah, blah, blah. That's huge for us, you know. And it might not work out, you know, the next 45-lap run, but but you got that you got that exposure, and then you got that time. And I can only imagine what goes to those guys' heads when, like, one of us just blows their doors off. You know, they're like, what is going on right now? They just Spotters don't get screaming tires, spotter screaming yeah. tires. You're not racing. He's on, don't worry about him. He's on tires, bud. He's on tires, but it's Tommy Joe and Josh Williams. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, that'll be fun. One of these, one of these days we'll do that, Josh. We'll just agree to just completely screw our race strategy up. Just oh, me yeah. and you go racing for a, for a stage win somewhere. Just sticker it up and hold her to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I always, I always think of that Xfinity Richmond race. I think it was the first race in the doubleheader where we had Tommy Joe who's running up there. And then, it's funny you bring his name up, Matt Mills, who's making his first uh, Cup Series start this weekend. Shout out to him. He's driving up to 13th, I believe, he finished that race. And you think about the dynamic of the Xfinity Series and just everything in general, right? You got Matt Mills who's driving up to 13th, and he's thinking, wow, this is the greatest day we could have imagined. Like, this is incredible. And you got him passing Chase Briscoe, right? Chase Briscoe goes back to 14th and he's thinking this is the worst day we could have had. Like we are all right. Like I just, I love the dynamic of that and and everything that was taking place just anywhere, really. I mean, you get, it's just two different mentalities um, throughout the field between Matt Mills driving up to 13th and you got Chase Briscoe or Riley Herbst dropping to to 14th or 15th and they're thinking what is going on like what is going wrong i, I love josh I, I don't know about you but i'm conscious of that too like when we are having one of those great days and those guys are struggling you know they're going to race you a little differently because they're mad right they're really pissed off that you're passing them. oh yeah no it's i don't remember it was it was a richmond doubleheader and i got a lap down because we were just i mean god awful terrible and we come down pit road put stickers on and I was in the trunk and I asked Reed, he's my spotter. I said, who do I need to pass to get the lucky dog? And they're like the 39 of Sieg. And I was like, mm, 
that's going to be tough. I said, well, how many rows, how many rows ahead is he? He's like, he's like 12 rows ahead of you. Oof. He's like 12 rows ahead of you. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if we're going to catch him. I didn't make any friends. I'm going to go and tell you. Everybody I got to, I just shoved some headlight in there and just drove by him. I was like four wide off of two a couple times. And I got to see. And like, they literally just like block you down the straightaway. And so, what, what are you doing? Yeah, that was, um, is, is that what you like about the short tracks? When, if you need some track position, you can just go out there and, and stick your nose in there and kind of get, get what you want. Oh yeah. Just hustle, hustle, man. <laughs> That's what's fun. It's, I mean, you can't fire it off in there on the flat at, at Texas and it turn three wide open and it just ain't gonna work, but you can dang sure do it at Phoenix and you can dang sure do it at Richmond. Oh yeah. And, and, and so I wanted to real quick, there were, there was a lot since I've bolted here. I know, I don't think either of you have, have driven driven a cup car before at least in that package that super speedway package but that's been a discussion this week uh the the logano flip and what logano said about it and everything like that so i just want to change gears here real quick um and kind of i guess get everybody's thoughts on that since we should probably talk about it since it's a hot topic so joe logano says you know and probably a lot of people are saying we should change the super speedway package because the blowover was unacceptable or the racing and the runs and everything like that. So I'll go, I'll go to you, Josh, first. I mean, were you, were you watching the cup race and, and what were your thoughts on kind of everything that transpired there with that crash? Yeah, I wasn't watching the cup race, but I, I watched that video a couple of times and we were actually talking about it at lunch. And uh, one of my buddies, Chad, he goes, man, he said, what would you have done if you'd have been in Joey's car? I said, I'd have stuck that thing in gear and drove it to pit road and said, change my tires. We're going to go after it. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's, it doesn't matter if you know, you go all the way back, you know, to the eighties, nineties, it doesn't matter. Everybody, you're going to get upside down one way or another, whether if, if you're sliding sideways and somebody hits yeah. you in the door or, you know, you, you spin out in the middle of a pack, it's just going to happen. I, I don't really think there's a way to keep them on the ground. I mean, unless you slow them down to 150 miles an hour and nobody's going to want to watch that, you know? So I mean, I don't think there's a way to fix it. And I mean, Joey, he kind of complains about everything anyway. So that, that's not a, it's really not a different story. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that he's complaining about it. He's one of the best at it. Uh, Makes yeah, he was on the wrong end. He was on the wrong end of that one, but you're talking about a guy that's consistently up there fighting for the lead in these super speedway races. And Josh, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter if we go to a super speedway, that's going to stay a possibility. We're, we're talking about cars going 190-something miles an hour around a racetrack. You get sideways and somebody hits you, it's going to flip upside down. And, and okay, let's take away the super speedway argument, right? Let's, let's just look at the Xfinity series. Let's not even talk about Cup. You go, oh, well, Cup, they're going so much faster through the turns. These runs are bigger and all that. All right. We ran a race at Kansas last year. Flipped the guy upside down. Anthony Alfredo was upside down in turn two. So what are we talking about? Cars flipping upside down? That's going to happen when you're going really fast and cars make contact at weird angles. And that's all that happened to Joey. It, I mean, it sucks. Is it scary? Yeah. I don't think any of us want to flip upside down and be hit, but <laughs> that's part of that's part of what we do. And we just kind of understand that going into it. Yeah. We, we've seen so many roofs caved in, right? So many flips, so many hits where the roof goes down. The thing about Joey, the thing he was complaining about is that he's one of the tallest guys, right? The way he sits in the 
tear and you know and everything he's one of the tallest guys so when the roof gets caved in a little bit it's getting near his head and the thing he mentioned ryan newman and the thing with ryan newman is that obviously ryan newman was flipping he's upside down gets hit and drivers like right in the window right with the head of the car like there's no avoiding that if you're anybody in that race car but yeah just like josh said i mean there's no in every single package we've seen like ever in the cup series there has been a a blowover a flip whether you're just blowing over because of the air whether you get hit by somebody some somehow someone's going upside down and and at kansas anthony alfredo he he flipped to kansas i mean the only way the only way we can stop flips at talladega is if we break open the infield and say we're running talladega roval or something like that that's, that's no the only way. way don't say <laughs> that don't even make it out of here I, I shouldn't give any, I'm sorry. any ideas. I shouldn't give. Yeah, I shouldn't give them any ideas because they would probably do it or they consider it. Yeah, we can't. The only no, way so we'll do the Talladega I, Roval is if you that you make the front stretch Talladega Boulevard and you leave the fans. <laughs> That's the only way you can do it. You know, Josh, I want to say something though because this gets brought up all the time. We talk about speedway racing. I see the comment section immediately fire off, and I have been part of it. Right wrecking a bunch of race cars oh it's a bunch of good race cars getting wrecked and like yeah that sucks and neither one of us want to wreck race cars and i've gotten wrecked running 33rd there and i've gotten wrecked running seventh there and it sucks right we're on a small team we don't budget a lot for crash damage we're trying to take care of our stuff and that sucks but at the same time if you ask me as an owner here would you want to run four speedway races? I would say absolutely I would want to do it because it gives me a chance to run good. It's a car that's a specialty car, and I get to run it more. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you probably think say the same thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's it's the big equalizer. You know, it, we're not going to, to Michigan. You know, we're going to Talladega and Daytona. It's a great equalizer. It's a chance for, to, for us to make up points. It's a chance for us to get good finishes, you know, maybe a win. I mean, and, and like you said, it's a car that, you know, if you only run it twice a year, you spend a ton of money because you've got to spend a ton of money on your speedway car. I mean, it's just yeah. that's just how it is. And if yeah. you run it twice a year, it's just it's it's not worth it. You know what I mean? That's that's something you expect going into it. So, I mean, the speedway races, that's that's it's kind of I think I noted it at the beginning. That's kind of why, you know, the rain delay, you're kind of you, you guys back there. You're sitting there like, ah, oh, you know, it, it sucks. You know, the rain hit and. Maybe not you guys necessarily because you guys are, I mean, competing, but some of the guys way back, you know, that are kind of just relaxing during the race, really not trying to stir up their t or tear up their stuff are kind of chilling out because they're like, well, that's a few laps cut out of the race. Um, so we don't have to worry about being caught up in a wreck. You know, I, I was just glad we had a lot of clean race cars, thankfully, um, at the end of that Xfinity race and the cup race. I mean, we talk about the crashes that Logano flipped that only took out one car out of the race. Uh, Larson had a mechanical issue. They had a wreck uh, at the end of stage two, took out a few cars. Felt like there were some wrecks, but a lot of like, we didn't really wreck a lot of race cars. I felt like um, in either of the races this weekend, there were, there were a lot of clean cars that finished the race. In, in my opinion, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't for a lack of trying. I can tell you that in the Xfinity race, uh, <laughs> especially what I saw going on up there at the front of the field. But at the same time, I think look, we're dealing with a lot of talented guys and that's this type of racing. And, there is a level of, okay, that was pretty stupid, but I'm going to cut this guy a little bit of a break here because we're in the first segment or the second segment. And Josh, as you know, all that seems to go away, especially when you put rain in a forecast and you tell them you're basically on a 10 minute shot clock. Uh, a lot of the niceties tend to go away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest issue at the speedways is just blocks. 
people throwing huge blocks and checking lanes up. Like I was riding behind the lead pack and I was literally just half throttle, just riding behind them and somebody throw a huge block to the top lane. And when they throw a huge block to the top lane, I just run up and catch them because everybody's checking up. I mean, it just stacks everybody up. There's people sliding around. You know, there's a lot of people that run in the front pack that just push, 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 like constantly hitting you, even if you're tied on the guy in front of you. And and I think that's what causes a lot of wrecks. I mean, there's those guys feel like they have to do that stuff and, and, and you don't, you know what I mean? But, but they're, they're big time and they can get after it and they got four more at the shop. So just hold her to the wood and see what happens. Well, that's, it's funny because I talked to people about Daytona and Talladega and everybody, it seems like, thinks they're an expert at Speedway racing where they go, oh, it's a piece of cake. You just hold it wide open the whole way around there. And I'm like, man, you're driving more at Daytona and Talladega than I feel like we're even driving when we go to a place like Texas. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I mean, it's, you know, a couple races there, we had an issue in qualifying at Daytona and we had to go to the back and, and I come from like whatever I, I guess i started last so it was 38th or whatever and mario said i went to the trailer to grab my second radio come back and you're running seventh and i was like yeah i mean no one cut in front of me i just ripped the third lane all the way to the front and like nobody slid up in front of me until i got right to that top 10 as soon as i got to that top 10 there's people cutting people's noses off like literally shoving people through the trial sideways and i'm like whoa <laughs> All right, well, that was fun for three laps, but I'm going to go back here, back to 15th, and wait on y'all to hit something. So it's just, <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's crazy. Once you get up inside that top 10, those guys, they will literally turn you sideways in the middle of travel and just not even crack the gas. Yeah, Blo- blocking. You mentioned blocking, throwing aggressive blocks. In the Xfinity Series, there's still a little bit uh, more, you know, a little bit of a bubble when you go to block there, the air push and everything like that. But in the Cup Series, those runs are so big blocking it, it doesn't really seem like it it even matters sometimes like the runs are just so huge and the closing rates and that's really the wrecks that we saw were just blocks being thrown lines being stacked up people pushing the pusher of the pusher of the pusher and everyone just getting stacked up and wrecking so that that's what happened there and, and then the only incident in the xfinity series was i think it was just what joe graf blowing a tire and and going up into somebody and then that person i think brandon jones spun down into ty dillon um, something like that. It was just a cut tire by, by graph. But other than that, I mean, clean race, good, good racing up front. You guys said you had a, I know Tommy Joe was like right there. I mean, right. It was like right behind you. Wasn't it? That, that one wreck at a turn two, I think you were like the last car to get away from it. I think on the yeah. inside. At least. <laughs> it was just right move at the right time. All day. That's all that was. Uh, I know, I knew that the wreck was coming. Uh, it just the way it was kind of brewing and, and Josh talk about this a little bit at, at speedway races, because for me, I learned a long time ago that my spotter is going to be a little talkative at a speedway race, right? He's got to describe that picture of what's going on around you. But I kind of took it on myself as I got a little more experienced that I'm going to make these moves, right? I'm not going to let the spotter drive. Like when I was first starting out, I feel like at the speedway, the spotter was almost driving the car for me. And as I've gotten older, I feel like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to let him do his thing, but really I'm the one making these moves, right? I'm the one placing the car there. How do you feel like you approach those speedway races? Do you feel like you've been better when the spotter's kind of driving the car for you at the front of the pack or when you're the one setting it up and making those moves? Yeah. I mean that, so my, when I first started running speedways in the Arca series, 
I had the opportunity to have TJ Majors as my spotter. And that helped me a ton. I mean, he taught me my timing on side drafts, when to pull down, you know, when to come off somebody's door, you know, how much of a gap I needed to block a run, you know, how I could judge which lane was rolling, who was pulling who. I mean, and, and that helped me a ton. So it's good to have the information, you know, constantly, but yourself, you've got to be self-aware of, of what's going on, you know? So there's been times where I've, you know, slid down in the middle of the bottom lane because I knew it was rolling, you know, and, and maybe Reed wouldn't have said anything, but I knew I had to get there because I seen it happening. You know I mean? It's, they see a lot more than we do, but when you're looking out the windshield, you can kind of tell who's stacking up and things like that. So I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of 50, 50, you know what I mean? I, I like to have all the information I can have. That was so I know, you know, what's coming next. But, yeah, you know, start I'm... starting out with old TJ, that was, uh, that was huge in, in my speedway career. That helped a ton. Yeah, I was, I was just going to mention um, Matt Benedetto. I don't know if you guys had seen, like, he put out a video or something, I think, yesterday explaining everything that happened uh, at, towards the end of the race because everyone was, you know, getting on him because he moved to the top and, you know, Kozlowski flies behind the bottom. And he was, he was talking about, you know, trying to tell everybody that didn't know how much the spotter, you know, communication is. And then they showed on the broadcast too. I mean, spotters talking almost every second, you know, some spotters, most spotters. And he was saying how he, he was on the bottom. His spotter saw the run on the top. He saw the run on the top and his, his spotter said, move top. So he moved top. And, you know, is there kind of like a, a differing, you know, do drivers kind of, I mean, you had mentioned it, Tommy Joe about as you get more experience, you kind of want to be able to make your, your move sometimes and not have the spotter drive the car. Do you feel like there's, you know, there's some drivers that, really have the spotter drive the car and some drivers that more towards they do it themselves. Like, is there kind of a, a differing amount of that in the field? Well, I think some of this, right. Especially when we're talking about stuff going on behind you, you're probably going to have to rely on that guy a little bit more. Right. And so when we start talking about throwing these blocks, Josh, I'm assuming up there at the front of the field and I've heard it, I've listened to a lot of this audio the spotter is driving the car basically out of the mirrors, right? And you see these guys looking in the mirror a lot more, but really the, the spotter has got to tell you what's going on two or three cars back. It's kind of building that momentum. And so I think that's true, RJ. The, the, probably the further up in the field you go, the spotter's probably driving it a little bit more. I think where Josh and I are at, and until we start making those moves and being a little more aggressive with it, yeah, I mean, there's just not as much movement going on in the field. They're not running side by side. They're not side drafting as much as they are, you know, up there racing for the lead. Yeah, I get. I, yeah. I mean, you feel feel the same way, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, once you, like I said, once you break that threshold of the top ten, the the whole game changes. Like it's 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 not the same as you know running fifteenth or twentieth. Because everybody who's running 15th to 20th is playing the same game you are. You know, conserve, 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 wait for the big one. You know, the guys up front, they're racing for all they got. So, it's it's definitely does play a, a big role for your spotter. You know, like Tommy Joe said, you might be able to look in the mirror and see that the lane's moving, but you don't know five cars back if, if that guy's pushing or, or if he's coming to a run or the run's already died. You know, so that's the, all that information. Did it, did it break apart? Are they organized? Are they bumper yep. to bumper? Is somebody hooked onto your bumper? Yeah, I mean, all, you're going to know that, but you don't know what's going on behind that guy. Yeah, yeah, you could be shoved out three car lengths from the guy behind you, and then when you pull out, the left lane is just going to just murder you. So it's, I mean, it's it's fun though. I love speedway racing. I mean, I wish we did it more, but 
I'm sure, uh, you know, from a car owner's perspective, it's kind of a little, a little shady there, Tommy Joe. Yeah. Well, it, it is and it isn't, right? I mean, so uh, for a guy like DJ McLeod, and, and I'm not singling him out here, this is just a legitimate strategy that guys save in the race. DJ goes, I'm never going to risk my cars, ever. I'm going to have all three of my cars lined up, and we're going to run 26th to 30th all day, completely by ourselves. And then whatever shakes out at the end of the race is going to shake out. Now, at times, they've looked like geniuses. They went down there to Daytona in the spring, uh, in February, and they finished like 11th to 14th. All right, you're a genius. At Talladega this past time, it didn't work out the same. They're running 24th to 26th, right? But, but that is one strategy. And Josh, you've done it another way. When you've gone down there and been really aggressive and you've been wadded up in the infield, and then you've gotten two top tens and you go, okay, well, the points at the end of the day probably work out about the same. <laughs> yeah. It's just your approach to the race and, and how you how you go into it, what strategy you're going to run. BJ's strategy, he's never going to put a fender on a car, ever. Your strategy, a lot more high risk, but definitely much more high reward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Plus, like last year at Talladega, you know, because Daytona was, you know, kind of rough. So when I got to Talladega, I was like, all right. You know, be conservative. I'm going to ride around right here. And we got wrecked around 27th. So it's like, right. what? I mean, it's it's roulette, man. You never know what's going to land on your number. Yeah, that was that wreck we were talking about last week on our, on the pod, right? Where that was that was the one where everyone was running single file, right? And then you yeah, had up on the outside. Yeah, that was probably one of the hardest hits I've ever had. Yeah, that was brutal. I remember that in three and four. But yeah, just like, I mean, anything can happen. Even when you're running single file, you're not even safe. One thing goes, one thing goes wrong and you got a whole line of cars behind, you know, whoever is getting hit or whoever's spinning. So that's, that's crazy. That's the part about super speed racing. You never, you never know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. You don't realize how fast you're going until you got to slow down at a speedway yeah. race. <laughs> that's, that's when you realize how fast you're going. <laughs> You don't realize that you're clicking off 196 mile an hour average laps until something happens in front of you and you got to go to the brakes. I'm always worried about the guy behind me because he yeah, usually never 100%. checks up. He usually no. never checks up. <laughs> well, you can't see it. Talk about that for a second, Josh, to everybody. Like, what does it look like when you're tucked in behind the bumper of another car? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you can barely see the guy in front of him. You know what I mean? Every, everybody's splitters on the ground. You know, the, the tail's pretty much up. It's got a big blade on it. And I mean, you're as tight as you can get. The only thing you can do is when you see smoke and parts flying is just hope the guy behind you don't turn you. You know what I mean? And that, that's all you can do. It's, I don't know, it's, it's like days of thunder. It literally is like days of thunder. Just yeah. hope you don't hit anything and you come out on the other side of the smoke. Yeah, so is your spotter, your spotter's just almost as active, you know, if you're in a three wide pack as you are single file to kind of let you know where the car's in front of you are at, where the car's behind you, if people are stacking up or someone's wrecking, of course. I think it's kind of the same. They're still active on the uh, on the radio. Usually when we get single file, it's just kind of, you know, watching the leaders. You know what I mean? Watching yeah, the leaders. Exactly. I mean, if there's if there's a, a, a lane foreman or whatever behind you that, that's got some speed, you know, they'll let you know. But usually when you're single file, it just every now and again, it'd be like, hey, you know, guy behind you is a halfback off of you and there's a halfback to him. You know, same gap. Everybody's pretty stacked up. So, it just depends. I mean, usually the, they just watch the leaders and, and wait to see if one of those get turned so we can get a heads up. And single file is the best situation when somebody gets turned. You pull out a line and kind of see where everybody's going and, and check up pretty good. Yeah, especially. Josh, are you a guy that uses a lot of a lot of hand signals? Because I do. 
like especially at a speedway there's a weird situation where like if you're the front car of a group that's that's really not trying to be up there in the middle of it right you're probably getting pushed but like for example like timmy was behind me right i'm trying to drop back a little bit get a little space from that front group i'm waving out the window kind of letting him know that i don't want to push like i'm trying to drop back a little bit or if I'm latched onto the bumper of another car, I might be waving to somebody to not hit me, right? Because that, that might be something where you hit me at the wrong angle. I'm already attached to somebody, and now now we're all wrecked. Are you throwing a lot of hits? Are you moving around a lot in the car? Are you trying to wave at guys? Yeah. Yeah, I did that at Talladega. You know, a couple cars formed up, and, and they caught the the tail end of our group, you know, with me, Alex, and Joe Graff. And, and we started catching the lead pack, and I started slowing them down a little bit, and you know, I was waving out the window like, "Hey, we don't need to be going up there right now," because they were they were getting a little aggressive towards the end of one of those stages, and and every everybody backed up behind me. You know, I, I don't know if I don't know if Alex relayed the message to the guys behind him, but you know, he stayed about a half a car off me the whole time, and and that's where we needed to be. So yeah, I, I try to you know keep everybody informed on on what I got going on. Yep, and and so we had to one of the. We head out of one of the treacherous super speedways. We head to one of the treacherous, um, you know, tracks, at, normal tracks in Darlington, right? Toughest uh, track in the world. Two weeks. Yeah. And you yeah. guys get another off week. And then that's something I kind of wanted to, wanted to mention too. Uh, I mean, you guys have had a lot of off weeks recently, right? You've had, you know, two weeks off, one week off. Now here, another week off. But then after this, this is when it really starts. You know, you have a long stretch of races after this. So, you know, Josh, for you guys at, at DGM, I mean, that's something you, I mean, you guys knew going to the season schedule and everything. Have you kind of, is this, do you feel like this uh, when, when Darlington hits in, in a few weeks, is it really like go time? You know that it, this is a long stretch of races and you guys got to keep going. Yeah. The, the off weekends are just, it's really not off weekend. It's just longer time to work on something else. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you just got to get ahead of the game and, and get cars ready, get, get parts ready you know, get motors in line, make a plan, you know, try to be as productive as you can because, you know, as Tommy Joe knows, 12 weekends straight with, you know, a minimal amount of cars, one, one bad weekend could ruin the rest of the rest of the weekends. So you've really got to focus on being prepared and having your equipment in line and make sure everything's right. It's uh, I don't call them off weekends. I just call it longer, longer work weeks. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you're conscious going into a race if you're going to be running another car with a quick turnaround, right? I mean, that's something we, we mark on the calendar when the car is going to run next. And it kind of gives you an idea of really what your, what your level of, of aggressiveness could probably be, right? If we're going to run a road course car back to back, it's like, all right, well, I know my strategy. This first one's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, somebody posted a picture last year. I think it was of my car at homestead and i was like a half a car off the wall and they're like why are you so far off the wall it's like because i run this car in seven days <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't, I don't right. have time to put a right side on it and crush panels and a new spindle and you know what i mean like i just we don't have time for all that so that's like darlington you know what i mean you just if you're going to use that car in this next stretch i mean you don't want to go out there and, and use it up and kill the right side and and have to put a splitter bar on it and fenders and doors. It's just, it's time consuming. Yeah, man. And it's throwback week, man. I brought it up because I, there are some sick throwback. I mean, the Xfinity series, we love the Xfinity series, but I know of course, Tommy Joe, uh, they released their 
really awesome throwback a while ago. I think today, I don't know if you guys saw the the number one Gatorade scheme for Mike Lynette. That thing looks awesome. Yeah, Jeremy Clemens. Really cool. Jeremy Clemens just sent out his. He's running a, a UPS Dale Jarrett throwback. That yeah, thing nice. I got a funny story about that, but I can't say it on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe 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 off air. <laughs> but yeah. man, those those throwbacks, those are nice. I mean, I I just for i know the truck series i think they're doing a few of the cup series i mean how, how you guys feeling i mean just for the we'll, we'll talk about the actual race i mean going to the darlington you had mentioned your, your guys strategies if you're running the car recently i mean what 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 are you what is your strategy josh going to this race you, you're running this car in the, in the next few races are you going out to um go for it or we'll uh we'll find out i'll have to to talk to mario and, and see what the, uh, <laughs> what the schedule yeah, brings for this car we're gonna run but mario yeah, I talked to the boss man and see see how hard we can go, but it depends. Uh, you know, it depends on our motor situation too, and and to see if it's something that that we've really got a chance with. If it's if it's something that we're going to have some good steam and and we can, I mean, we're all, we're going to have tires. You know, everybody's going to have tires with this no practice deal, and so uh, I mean, you're going to be on the same playing field as everybody else. So if we've got a good opportunity to to crack up a top ten here, because we've been fast at Darlington in the past, so. If we can, we're going to get after it, uh, try to save the right side regardless. But, you know, if it uh, comes down to creeping up towards closer to the top five, we might knock a finger off or two. But we'll uh, we'll play it by ear and, and see how the race goes. Well, you know that race that we had there in the fall last year, Josh? I mean, I think both of us were probably a little further up than we expected there going into that last restart. Both of us wound up with a chance in the top ten there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I just feel like ooh, tracks like that – we have a chance to shine just as well as the speedway because I don't care how good a piece of equipment you're in. You still got to wheel that thing around that racetrack on some old wore out tires, you know, 50 laps into a run. I mean, you, you still got to drive it. And uh, I, I feel like that, that benefits us a lot. So is, uh, is, is the driver of the 44 going to have to talk to his team owner about how hard he's going to drive this weekend? <laughs> or at, at Darlington? Look, I'm going to, I'm going to have the driver cap on at Darlington. Uh, look, that car for us, uh, we ran that car in Atlanta earlier this year and it ran well in Homestead and, and it's kind of our worn out mile and a half type of cars. So that car is not going to be back on the racetrack till Atlanta. That's at the end of this stretch. We're, we're going to be letting her eat up there by the wall. Yeah. So we're going we're to be on it from the beginning. Good stuff. Awesome. So, um, we'll, we'll do really quick. We'll wrap up this, uh, this part of the pod. I mean, Josh, is there anything else we, we need? We need some more sponsor shout outs in here. I know Tommy Joe gets his sponsors out there. You got any shout outs you want to give? Oh yeah, for sure, man. We got a, we got a ton of cool partners that, that we've had, uh, you know, through a long time throughout my Xfinity career and even back in the Arca days. So, um, you know, our, our boys that sleep well up there in Maine, they take care of us, uh, alloy employer services. They've come on this year in, in a big way. And, really improved our program and Startron, Starbright, you know, they're, uh, they're good old boys from South Florida and, and they enjoy motorsports. So they've been a, the big help to us along the way. And, you know, all the guys at DGM, you know, guys and girls at DGM, you know, everybody who, who puts all the work in to get these cars to the racetrack every weekend and, and to take care of them when we get there. So it's, uh, we're all just one big group and we all have a good time. And hopefully, uh, this next 12 race stretch here will, will be good to us. Yeah. There you go, Josh Williams, ninety-two car in the uh, DGM racing, sitting sitting nice and steady, sixteen points right behind Tommy Joe. So awesome, man! So thanks for coming on. I really want to talk uh, about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> right behind I didn't, I didn't rub it in one time, Josh. I don't want to hear it. I was proud yeah. of you. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And uh, enjoy this last off weekend here. Uh, hopefully get some family time. And anytime y'all guys want to talk or whatever, you know me. I don't hold anything back. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have a good time. Awesome. We'll All right, right see you next week. back drivers meeting podcast once again thanks josh williams for coming on always love um you know those crop of xfinity, dri- xfinity drivers in the field especially the dgm drivers uh they got an awesome team over there the way they've progressed every single year it's just awesome uh, and the and the drivers i mean josh williams said it himself i mean they all love you know mario Gosselin as a team owner and everything he's done for the team so that's awesome so he said uh, i think before you had came in uh that they'll be having a throwback i think they're they're coming up with soon so you know all these throwbacks are coming out rapidly i mean these are awesome I and mean, we we talked about years when you guys put it out but these xfinity throwbacks i mean nice but i just can't wait for the race xfinity at darlington is always a show and it's going to be another you know full day race uh, just like a, yeah both races last year were full in the daytime uh, this one you know hopefully no rain uh, starting at one o'clock um so hey you said you said you're you said you're going for it so we'll see yeah look think about this you know we had uh, james davison on the pod a few weeks ago and james even talked about the the most sideways low grip crazy thing he had ever seen in his entire life was xfinity cars at darlington and here we go we're going right back to it we put on a great show we know what it is going into it as a driver you prepare for it uh, it was awesome that josh was able to join us and talk about that a little bit um, and they've got a couple of really good drivers over there at DGM. You know, those are a couple of guys, Josh and, and Alex, that I expect to be racing with every track we go to um, up there around the top 15, up inside the top 20. Over the course of the point standings, over the course of the year, Josh and I are probably going to swap it back and forth uh, several times. Uh, just a ton of respect for those guys over there. And, and yeah, you know, speaking about Darlington, this has kind of turned into a crown jewel thing, right? Where the throwback race, and what everybody's rolling out here uh, and what they're able to do for their partners and creating that that hype, creating that energy and that connection to the past in our sport, I think it's fantastic. And the fact that it's not just a cup thing, it's an Xfinity thing. It's a truck thing now with the trucks going there. Uh, just an awesome weekend. Really glad we get to be a part of it. Yeah. And now the Xfinity series, the past two finishes have been remarkable, right? We had Kyle Busch versus Chase Briscoe, the first race that you guys came back to. The second race, you know, Ross Chastain versus uh, Denny Hamlin. So now I believe because it is a dash for cash race, that means no cup series drivers. So it's, this will be the first Xfinity race in, in a while. Cause usually a cup driver comes out there. Usually Denny Hamlin is out there running that race in the Xfinity series, a few others as well. I think this is like, yeah, that's like the first week race in a while for the Xfinity series. That's no cup drivers. So for all those uh, no cup drivers, lovers out there, uh, I think the full Xfinity field at, at Darlington. So that'll be fun to watch. We'll get to see maybe who, who really is able to make a name for themselves. I mean, Chase Briscoe was already on the map, but everyone was out there, you know, loving him for what, you know, passing, holding off Kyle Busch there at the end. 
um, you know, Ross Chastain battling with Denny Hamlin there at the end and Brandon Jones ultimately winning that race. So I'm excited for it, man. Those, those daytime Xfinity races, composite bodies, man, it's, it's going to be a show and truck race the night before Friday night. I think, yeah, Friday night truck race at Darlington. Oh man, I'm all for that. Look, what this is proof of RJ is that this is not a complicated sport. Darlington is a great racetrack. It's a great racetrack, and it is the tenants of stock car racing. A lot of horsepower, a tire that wears out very quickly, and and important part of this here, a shorter race distance. When it comes to the Xfinity Series, we only run a 200-mile race there at Darlington. So that is a pretty short race, and that creates a sense of urgency for everybody in the field and a sense that you got you to go right now. So you see that aggressive racing up there the whole time. Um, and I think that's going to play out the same in the trucks. It plays out the same in the Cup Series as well. It, it's a great racetrack. It's always going to produce a great show. As long as we've got a tire that's going to fall off and you give the driver something that's going to be really tough to drive around there. Yeah. So there's always been there's been this discussion lately about, you know, how the, the fourth ground jewel was the Brickyard 400 when we ran the Oval. And now that they're not running the Oval, people have kind of been discussing and tossing around. What's the fourth crown jewel? Are we keeping the Indy Road course? Are we adding in, you know, another track? I mean, what what would you do? Are, are you keeping the Indy Road course in your crown jewels or are you throwing another one in there? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, that's just not the Brickyard 400, right? Nope. And, and really, as much as I love Indianapolis and I am an Indianapolis defender, it just didn't feel like it was a crown jewel anymore just from an attention standpoint, uh, just the amount of notoriety that it had. It, it just didn't feel that way. And, and, and I get why they made the move to the Indy road course that they, they still want it to be a part of our schedule, but it, it probably didn't have the same feel that it did before. So I'm throwing it out. Right. So we know Daytona 500. That's obvious. Number one, Coke 600, obvious. Number two, Southern 500, obvious. Number three, at Darlington. So what would be the fourth? What would be the other ones? Well, I think Talladega is a pretty good representation, but right there with Talladega, you have two races that are pretty similar, right? They're both five. Well, I think one's a 400 miler, one's a 500 miler. I think the 500 miler would probably be the prestigious one. Yeah. But to me, I think the big one is the Bristol night race, the, the fall Bristol race, yep. 500 miles at Bristol. Uh, it's always a sold-out crowd. It's always a big deal. Uh, that night race there at Bristol, especially if we're going to have a dirt race in the spring, yeah. then it's going to be really the only feature race on that asphalt track, or excuse me, that concrete track um, in the fall. And, and I think that's a big one. I think that's one that, that everybody wants in the resume. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people were going the other route and saying the Bristol dirt race is the crown jewel. I don't know. I mean, it really, you can go. Get out of here. Yeah, Get yeah. out of here. Yeah. I would prefer the Bristol night race because that is classic. Now, if we run the Bristol dirt race for maybe 15 more years, okay, man, give it a little consideration, but the Bristol night race, it's a classic. I mean, it was really already the crown jewel. That wasn't a crown jewel. Like it, it was, everyone was looking forward to that race. You always call it the Bristol night race. And, I mean, it really had its own name. So many memories, so many great finishes, great races, great moments. And, you know, even even last year, uh, the Kyle Busch versus Kevin Harvick battle at the end. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people even remember that, but I was on the edge of my sheet watching that. And I, I really yeah, I would I would agree the Bristol night race and, and the Indy road course. It's it's not the oval, you know, and I still I still I still don't like that move. I just, you know, 
I wish the Cup Series would stay on the oval. And I re- what I really loved about the Xfinity Series on the road course is it gave it its own like race of the weekend, right? Like it made it special. The Xfinity Series on the Indy Road Course. I mean, you guys had what, like three million viewers for that race or something? I know it was like the inaugural race, but still, it was special. And then you had the Cup, you know, the following weekend or the following day to wrap up, you know, wrap up the weekend, the classic, the oval race, right? I just, you know, I, the prestige was there for that weekend. You had IndyCar running that weekend as well. Heck, let's send the truck series to IRP on the same weekend. Let them run their Friday night. I, I, I had this whole thing in my head and then they said cup series to the Indy road course. And it just, it blew up. It's, it's all gone now. So hopefully they bring it back sometime. Well, is this a step in maybe stepping away from Indy as a whole? It's tough to say, right? But I do feel like it's important for NASCAR to lean into this idea of the majors, right? I mean, tennis does this. They have majors. Not everybody watches every ATP tennis tour stop, right? But but a lot of casual people probably watch the majors. They watch Wimbledon. They watch the French Open. Watch the Australian Open. Watch the U.S. Open. Golf, same thing. You might not be watching the PGA Tour every week for the entire season, but, you, but you're probably going to watch the majors. You're going to watch the Masters. You're going to watch the U.S. Open, the British Open, the PGA Championship. I feel like it's important for NASCAR to capture that kind of casual viewer in those big moments, right? Now, there's going to be NASCAR fans that watch every week. I'm one of them. But I think for casual people, it needs to be clearly laid out what the biggest races of the year are and why. I think the Sprint Cup Championship, wherever that is, that's kind of the fifth major, right? It's kind of the same way that we look at it with the PGA. Um, You know, the FedEx Cup at the end of the year for that, that, that's a big deal. But it's not considered a major tournament, right? Because it's a little more exclusive. Same thing with the cup championship, right? It's really only those four guys going for it at the end of the year. But it's important to have those other four kind of pillar moments throughout the course of the season that might might promote the the sport to a, a broader audience. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, every time we bring up the championship race, I just have faint memories of Homestead. But, you know, it's okay. Uh, I felt like I felt like the championship race at Homestead was always a huge deal because and the thing that made it more special is because we just we just went to Phoenix. Right. And now we're going back there for the championship race in the daytime, you know, basically the same time frame as we did before. And I, I want to talk about time frames in a second because the ratings came out for Talladega. We'll get that in a second. But, um, you know, for for I, I agree what you're saying. I really enjoy that NASCAR does have that, you know, you have your pillar events throughout the year leading up to the championship race. The championship race is not even like officially a crown jewel either. It's just the championship race. Obviously, everyone knows the stakes of that. And so I agree. But yeah, real quick, those Talladega ratings came out and a lot of people were were getting excited about them. And I I was too. I mean, the Cup Series, what, 4.7 million viewers. I mean, that's great. Xfinity was on primetime Fox, rained out, unfortunately, but it didn't rain delay the race. Now, there was a lot of people on Twitter just saying, all right, get ready for Monday. Get ready for Monday. I mean, it was like, what, 95% chance of rain the day before I checked Oh, I have no idea, RJ. I have no idea how we got that race in. It is incredible. It is incredible. And I just want to thank myself here. Because my finger was hovering over the button on buying additional hotel rooms and moving my flight around and moving all this stuff around. And I didn't do it. I said, you know what? I mean, is, I is there a chance did. that we get it in? And 
I didn't I didn't buy it, and luckily enough, we got it in. So I wound up saving Martin's Motorsports a little bit of money there. But yeah, unbelievable that we even got it in. You're right; it was a overwhelming chance that we were going to get rained out. It poured rain all morning at Talladega. Um, for us on Saturday to get both the ARCA race and the Xfinity race in, it really is pretty remarkable. Yeah, uh, that was crazy. And I, I, you had mentioned purchasing for for Monday. I, I thought I don't know if there was a few people that probably did that already. Um, <laughs> buy hotels for Monday and transfer everything over there. Everyone was everyone was almost set on on Monday. I was like I had joined a, an, an Instagram live or something with Kyle Weatherman, and he was already set for for monday he was saying oh yeah you know we're we're ready for it to be rained out tomorrow i mean 95 percent chance of rain somehow it holds off until like what 20 ish something laps left in the race so that was crazy See, the, the joke going in the garage area rj was that if it's a 20 percent chance of rain that's a hundred percent chance and if it's a 95 percent chance <laughs> of rain somehow we're going to get this thing ahead. that's yeah that's 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 realistic in nascar i mean they always say if, if you need rain in your town just just bring NASCAR over, you know, we, when they, they bring the rain every weekend, I don't know what it's looking like for Kansas this weekend. I haven't checked. I'm kind of scared to check, but hopefully it's okay. Um, but man, yeah, you guys just got it in there. I mean, was it, did you, did you know that in the car when you passed like stage two, did you have a little relief like the halfway point stage two that, that you didn't have to stay another day? That, that was something that was all the radio. They say, like, oh, it's an official race. And everybody kind of celebrated. But <laughs> at the same time, you're looking out the window. What started off as a gorgeous afternoon, once the rain went away, the clouds had clearly started kind of coming back into focus there around the racetrack. And you knew that you were going to be on a hair trigger of when, when it was going to happen. Everybody knew that it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. Yeah, it was, I mean, crazy how clear it was like earlier in the day i mean because i'm thinking okay there's three stages it's like okay one it either gets totally rained out like the forecast says you know two there's clouds everywhere it's dark okay we kind of get the race in we're on and off you know i felt like that was going to be the case when i was hearing you know twitter saying okay you know skies are clearing up my probably going to be able to race today i'm thinking okay it's a little cloudy it's probably a little gloomy you know we'll be racing the rain all day and it was it was sunny I mean, there was, <laughs> was almost gorgeous there, gorgeous day. Gorgeous. You wouldn't even think of like the weather report that was going into that day. You're like 90, but was it 95% chance or 5% chance of like, I had no idea. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, the fact that you guys got it in was awesome. I mean, we knew Sunday was going to be a clear day for cups. So that was good, but man, yeah. I mean, that goes back to, I mean, you weren't that, you weren't that, I know you had said in your, your little post-race uh, report that. You know, you're happy that you got the P11, but you could have maybe, you know, went for that top 10 for sure if it didn't rain. So, I mean, because uh, like you said, that strategy that you guys play, you know, the, the plan, right? You were you were laying back there. You really I saw the, I saw the picture um, of you leading <laughs> leading the gigantic train of cars around. And you had said what your spot, your spotter told you you're you're leading. You got what, 20 cars behind you up on the top side. Yeah, leading, leading that second group back there uh, on a little bit of a different strategy, right? Uh, and, you know, look, Talladega is such a cool place. We, you kind of highlighted the ratings there uh, a few minutes ago. That's a big deal, man. Uh, that's a big deal. You know, for, for NASCAR, we didn't get off to the best start this year when it comes to television ratings. And, and the reason why this is so important, guys, we're coming up to a renegotiation of the television contract here in the next few years. And... With the Daytona 500, that's her biggest race of the year. And for it to get rained out and delayed and the ratings were down, well, that hurts us 
in renegotiations. And so Talladega, it's a big event. There was a great crowd there at Talladega this weekend, um, which is awesome to see. I think all of us are just ready to kind of be beyond <laughs> what we've been dealing with for the last year and a half with so many people. Um, everybody's so excited to get back out take a part of these traditions again. And Talladega is a tradition. It is a party. It is a weekend. It is a festival of NASCAR down there in, in, in Talladega. And the crowd was great. The ratings were great, both for trucks and Xfinity and, and ARCA. ARCA had a great rating. Yeah. ARCA had over half a million people watching that with Jamie Little, uh, a former guest of the podcast, you know, hosting that. And, and that's really cool. And I think that's proof that Talladega will always be here right like that form of racing super speedway racing we can litigate the safety on it we can litigate the package we can talk about you know should they shouldn't they big wrecks the danger we can talk about all this talladega and daytona as a form of racing in stock cars is here to stay people want to see it it puts on a great show drivers care about it it's very prestigious and it's going to make money for the sport, it's not going away. We're not changing it. We all just need to either get along with it or turn the television off. And I don't see anybody turning the television off. No. So I think it's here to stay, RJ. And, and we, we love going to Talladega. It's a place that means a whole lot to me. Yep. And and an earlier start time, too, for the Cup Series, 2 o'clock. You know, it's not 1 o'clock, but it was 2 o'clock. They, they kind of met in the middle with that, huh? They get, yeah, now, they get, now that is a movement that I can get behind. Let's yes. start the races at 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, that, that's a movement I think everybody can get behind. Yeah. Now, you guys, I mean, you had the ARCA race before, uh, but even last year, I mean, you guys were racing the sun, I think. I, I remember um, in, in your guys' race, because you guys had, had started at 4 o'clock, I think, last year, too, for another race, or four, even 4.30 or something. Maybe even 5, if I'm thinking straight. I can't even remember. You yeah, guys started really late. Yeah, it was a late really start. Late. Yeah, really was a late start. And, and no lights around Talladega, right? And I, I saw the internet commenters again. Everybody screaming that Talladega needs to have lights. Does it, though? Like... I, th I saw Bob Pockris with probably the best response to that. There is a level of party at Talladega and an atmosphere at Talladega. When the sun goes down, the track is quiet, and the party starts down there in Talladega Boulevard. The, the amount of campers, both inside the infield, across the street, th that is part of the fun for all the people that are doing this. And I think that if we were to have lights and stretch out these races and try to force things to happen when maybe Mother Nature is not, you know, playing along with us, it would hurt the atmosphere of all those people that spend that money to come down there in those RVs and plan on just having as much fun doing that as yeah. they do watching the race. And, and so I don't think it probably is a spot where we need to put lights. Let, let it kind of be its own atmosphere. Let it be its own thing. I think that adds to the charm. And, and really the uniqueness of Talladega. Yeah. Like if there were already lights there, like, okay, you know, there's, there's already lights, right? Like, cool. But you know, I, I don't think there needs to be, you know, there need to be lights there. I think, yeah. What makes Talladega so special is a nice, you know, sunny day, um, you know, going racing, starting at one o'clock, two o'clock. And yeah, like, like Bob said, the party, you know, right. So I, I agree with that right there. And, you know, we're looking at, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the next races ahead as far as, you know, chances for ratings, good ratings, good viewership. I mean, we got Kansas, you know, we'll see. It's the, the what? God, I'm trying to remember. The Bushy McBush 
race 400 yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i think the yeah the bushy mcbush race 400 maybe that draws some viewers i don't know and then you got the throwback race at darlington i'm sure darlington always does well usually a lot of people tune in for that you got dover we'll see 2 p.m start time at least uh will we get that for dover um and then you got circuit with, with this with the 750 package i believe yes. i believe they changed that at dover yep. this year yeah dover i think they had it last year too uh, I remember, right. they, yeah, they right. changed the last year. This year, I believe the change was, yeah, they're, uh, I almost forgot Darlington. They're running the, the, yeah, the, the 750 package there and as well as Nashville. So that'll be cool. Um, and then you got Coda, Charlotte, uh, two weekends. That'll have practice qualifying as well. And then Sonoma, I haven't been there in two years. So maybe that grabs some ratings. And then you jump right into All-Star Weekend uh, on FS1 for the Cup Series at Texas. So everybody, you know, we don't know many people love Texas, but hey, we'll see what they do for the All-Star Race. You know, maybe, maybe Eddie Gossage comes up with something uh, for that. I know he's been talking about it, so we'll see. So It's a big stretch. Look, we're, we're hitting that point of the season here, RJ, where we're going to find out now because there was so much kind of mixed up version of tracks, yeah, disciplines. We, we've had two speedway races in these first eight races for us in the Xfinity Series, um, a road course race and a track we really haven't been to very much, short track, intermediate. We've kind of bounced around a lot. Okay the standings would be a little mixed up right now. Uh, we, we're lucky we got off to a decent start here at Martin's Motorsports, but there's a lot of people that have gotten off the rough starts. Over this next stretch of 11, 12 weeks in a row here, we're going to find out who the pretenders and the contenders are. I mean, this is where we're going to really get into the meat grinder of the schedule. And everybody's had plenty of time between races, right? You had an off season to prepare for the first six. You had a two week break to prepare for, uh, Martinsville. You had another week break to prepare for Talladega here at Xfinity. You had another week break to prepare for Darlington and this trip. It's all kind of built up to what we're about to hit, which is this big stretch where we're going to really find out, you know, who's who's who really made the biggest leaps and, and who is going to contend for the playoffs in, in both Cup and Xfinity. You're going to find that out here in this next stretch. Yep. It's that latter portion, that core portion of the season, right? This is last year where we saw Austin Sindrick go on a tear. You know, Chase Briscoe was and went on a tear, right? Those two guys were running a bunch of races in the Cup Series. Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, they went on a tear in this part of the season. So this is where we really find out, you know, who, who the real ones are, who kind of starts. And, you know, you can't afford to have a setback, right? You you got to, if you have a bad race, you got to jump right back in the next weekend and, and, you know, and make up for it. So for the Cup Series, especially that playoff race is hot. Uh, the Xfinity Series, you got guys who are out of the playoffs right now that, you, you know, you didn't expect, you know, Riley Herbst, Mike Lynette, two guys that are looking to, to rebound. Uh, you got Tommy Joe Martins, Josh Williams sitting right there. Uh, looking to pounce, maybe something happens. And then you also got Ryan Sieg right there, who is in the lowest, you know, Ryan Sieg right now is having, which is crazy, the, you know, worst statistical season he's ever had in the Xfinity series, lowest in points he's ever been as well um, with his, but, you know, it was is expected maybe a few bumps in the road, you know, with the new partnership with Ford. But hey, I think he got um, top five this weekend at Talladega. So that's a good way to get right back on track. So We'll see. And they were mad. They were mad about getting that top yeah. five RJ in the garage after the race because they really felt like they had a car that could win the race. And and Ryan is looking at this like, hey, do I have to win a race to get in the playoffs? Because we got off to such a so start. Can I make it up with points? Because he feels like he's way down in the hole. So they saw Talladega as an opportunity for a win to get him in and lock him in to the playoffs. And that was a team that clearly had playoff ambitions. They were a top 
sixteen in the in the series last year. And for them to be that far down, definitely. I mean, that's somebody that's looking to rebound. And, and look, you're right. The contenders, the pretenders. There's a few teams that really can't afford mistakes. The 51 team, the 68 team, my team, Josh Williams team. These underdogs that are trying to crash the party, they're on real thin ice because, look, what we know is we probably don't have speed to go up there and win a race and lock us in. Sure. You can get a lucky break. Sure, you can have the race fall your way, and maybe that door opens. But what we know is realistically over the course of the year, it's going to be hard to hold back that 98 in that one car. So each race that we have, that's an opportunity there for something to go wrong. And if something goes wrong, now all of a sudden you're losing 20, 30 points in a day to one of those contenders. That's going to be really tough to make up. So everybody here is looking at this. I believe it's 18 races to the playoffs in the Xfinity Series. 18 races, when you say it like that, RJ, that doesn't sound like a lot of races. We already did eight. So we're basically, you know, two-thirds or you're a third of the way there to get into the playoffs here. Everybody knows this next little stretch is critical. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's critical. And it, I feel like it's going to go by pretty fast. It's going to be a, a, a grinding stretch for, for you guys, for Xfinity, for Cup, for trucks uh, as well trucks does have a few weekends off i believe like they usually do in between but definitely for xfinity for the xfinity series you know this has been building up you know every every week you have you know more time to prepare more time to prepare now this is it this is the stretch you you gotta hop in it right back in you know six seven days later for another race the next weekend so um but like like we said you guys have another off weekend or is what did what did josh williams call it more more time to work yeah more time to work that's all it is time to work so an another more time to work for Darlington um, in two weeks. The Cup Series and the Truck Series head to Kansas this weekend. I believe the Truck Series race is Saturday night uh, around 7.30 FS1. And then the Cup Series race, the Bushy McBush race 400 uh, on FS1 uh, this weekend at 3 o'clock. So we'll see. This is the first time we've had to Kansas since everyone was angry at the finish last time between Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick. So... We'll see what changes. Maybe Kevin Harvick is out for redemption because that was really the last time he was contending for a win was at Kansas. That was like, I felt like that was just the killer, right? That was just ever since that happened, we have not seen the <laughs> dominant Kevin Harvick, like ever since that race, that moment. So maybe he gets some redemption uh, this weekend at Kansas. Kansas, yeah. really cool racetrack, man. I love Kansas, uh, multi-groove racetrack. I've heard a lot of people say that that doesn't put on a very good race because everybody gets spread out. All right, well, you know what? I'm telling you from inside of the cockpit, it's an awesome racetrack. Yeah. Uh, and really fast. Man, we've seen some of the biggest crashes in the Cup Series over the last 10 years happen at Kansas. And they are going so fast around that place, especially with this high uh, downforce package where the corner speeds are just incredible. So I know it's going to put on a really good show. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, those restarts get chaotic for sure. I mean, I, I know, yeah, they had a few wrecks uh, last year. I mean, Ryan Priest, giant hit in the wall. They had like two big ones on the restarts. So as everyone's getting up to speed and everyone's trying to get all the ground they can get in the Xfinity series, we all know, you know, that Anthony Alfredo crash was crazy. So we'll see. Big things can happen at Kansas um, this weekend on uh, both races on FS1. So at any any Cup Series predictions since you got the you got the week to watch? Oh, gosh. It seems like those Hendrick cars have been really, really good on these mile and a half. Yeah. Uh, so I'd probably stick there. I think a guy like Alex Bowman now with, with a little bit of momentum, 
I think he's going to be a contender uh, at a place like that. I think uh, a guy like William Byron could be a contender at a place like that. I would look into Hendrick camp. Yeah. Yeah. I always look at the guys that, you know, the, those Hendrick cars are really fast at, at Las Vegas, you know, it kind of runs a little bit like Kansas. So I would expect those cars to be up there. Bowman for sure is always pretty strong. Those guys bring good cars uh, to these type of tracks. William Byron just in general, I mean, has been on a tear to start this season. So expect them to be up front really any race. I think they've been one of the most consistent teams, you know, besides uh, Denny Hamlin, who we expect. And, you know, we'll see Kyle Larson, you know, you can never count him out. Uh, he's definitely looking for redemption after they had that, you know, mechanical fa failure at Talladega, cut him out of the race in one lap. So we'll see a lot of good, a lot of good cars. That's, that's the thing about these mile and a half races, right? There's just, you never know who's really going to be up there. No practice either. So we'll see. You can either hit it or miss it. <laughs> so it'll be fun. And then the truck race will just be pure chaos. Like you <laughs> always. But, yeah, you, you never know what's going to happen there. So we'll see. But here we go. Um, awesome uh, podcast again this weekend. Thanks for Josh Williams for coming on. And, and we'll see you we have uh, next week. I'm going to enjoy this weekend at Kansas. And we will see you next week to get ready for Darlington Throwback Weekend. If you made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast today, wherever you may be, and hope you stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.